I had personally walked through a season of just tremendous anxiety and worry and felt like, okay, intellectually, like I know that Jesus is keeping me safe. Like I know that he promised us peace. And we read Paul in the New Testament, he talks about a peace that transcends all understanding. And of course I'm like, I don't understand. Welcome to the Renovare Podcast, a place for honest and unhurried conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and our guest today is the founder of Amazima, a school in Uganda, Katie Davis Majors. Katie's the author of Kisses from Katie and has a new book titled Safe All Along, Trading Our Fears and Anxiety for God's unshakable peace. I spoke with Katie from her home in Nashville. Hi, Katie. Hi. Glad to talk to you today. Me too. I'm curious, what what things have formed you spiritually? Cool. Um, great question. And what's so funny is the first thing that jumped into my mind when you asked that question was suffering. <laughs> um and so not to say that in any way to sound like morbid or melancholy, but just I do think um, my spiritual life has been deeply formed by experiences of suffering, um, experiences of joy too. But I think uh, suffering has a way of making us very desperate for the Lord, of causing us to seek Him in ways that we otherwise might not. And so I think suffering and then Additionally, the experience of God with me in my suffering has really been uh, the foundation of of what has formed me and my spiritual life and my walk with Him. Yeah. What do you do with suffering when it mm. finds you? Well, I'm learning. Um, I think my my natural instinct and my natural bent is to become very anxious. Um, to worry, to be fearful, to kind of let my thoughts race ahead to what if, right? What if this suffering gets worse? What if this suffering doesn't end? And so I think that's my natural tendency. I think over the last many years, I have um, been just on a learning journey of, of learning to bring my suffering to God. And what does that, you know, what does that look like? It can look like talking to him about my suffering in prayer and not not feeling like I have to figure out the answer or necessarily see the good in it right away. I think sometimes there's the temptation for me as as an optimist to kind of go, okay, God, I I see how you're using this for good. Um, and that's not always true. I, I can believe that God will use it, even though I don't see it right away. And maybe sometimes I'll see it many years down the road. You know, sometimes we can look back at suffering and say, okay, God, I see what you did there. But sometimes maybe we can't. Um, and that's where trust comes in, where we can just trust, okay, God knows what he's doing, even if I don't understand. And so um, I've been learning over the last several years, I think, to bring my honest suffering to the Lord and not try to kind of mince words and um, 
pull myself up by the bootstraps, if you will. I think David in the Psalms gives us such an amazing example of in the same Psalm, even within just a few verses, he can be really, really upset and really, really angry and really, really fearful and um, desperately crying out for the Lord and then simultaneously praising God for his goodness. And so, um, yeah, I think I think the more I call out to God in my suffering and invite him to walk in it with me, the more deeply I experience his presence, even if this suffering doesn't go away. Um, and so I think sometimes, you know, I think as, as maybe a younger version of myself or even uh, a younger Christian, I thought like, oh, we cry out to God in our suffering so that he'll take it away, right? So that he will transform the external circumstance. But um, I think I've learned that, you know, the true gift, the true reason that I'm praying is so that I can experience God with me in that, whether or not, whether or not the circumstance is going to change. There's a certain level of of vulnerability Mm. to kind of sit in that space of, right, there's no fixes here. Mm-hmm. But I'm inviting you in and being present to you with you. Yeah. Um, takes a level of courage, do you think? Do you mm. think it yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um I think we're not used to it. As sometimes I think our culture and our society is in a hurry and um we want a quick fix. We want a solution right away. And so um it can feel very uncomfortable to just sit and wait. I I think we're conditioned to believe that we have to have answers and we have to know and we have to be able to fix something. And so um, to sit and say, I don't have the answer and I don't know, and I'm not able to fix this, Mm -hmm. um, to say like, okay, this doesn't have a timeline. I think um, that can be very challenging and it does take a lot of courage because you're in a lot of ways, you're kind of defying um, expectations, the expectations that other people have or the expectations that the world has. Or that we have on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think, isn't there a, maybe a bent in it can be in Christian culture that maybe something's wrong? I'm not praying hard enough or doing something right if uh, I experience, particularly if it's prolonged suffering. Yes, mm-hmm. there, there can definitely be that. I think that can be a bent in Christian culture of just, um, yeah, I must, I must have, I must have missed something uh, if I still feel sad or I still haven't, you know, gotten the answers to these things or my circumstance hasn't resolved. And yet, you know, we see so clearly all over Scripture that that isn't true. We see, uh, we see the way the disciples suffered tremendously, and sometimes, you know, for their entire lives. Um, and yet we we're so quick. I am so quick. Like I'm speaking to myself here to just um, want to find a way out. Yeah. Well, we're pain averse, right? With the, I mean, I sometimes get the idea that if we if we really had a, a true picture of what God can do in the pain, mm. we wouldn't run so quickly. Right. You know. What do you learn in the pain? What's been forged for you? Mm many things. Um, You know, Romans 5 comes to mind where it says suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And uh, I think I've seen that 
to be true. I think that suffering has produced in my life and in the lives of people I love. I think I've seen it produce um, endurance and character and hope. I think that there are aspects of God's character and who he is that I would not be able to understand if I hadn't suffered in specific ways. And so I think um, not only is God increasing my hope and my endurance in painful situations, but he's showing me different parts of himself, his kindness, his faithfulness, his gentleness that um, I might not be able to experience if I didn't experience pain. I might not even be looking to experience those things if I wasn't experiencing pain. And so I, yeah, I think I have very much drawn closer to God in that. For me, it feels like I've gotten to know different sides of God or in um, mm-hmm. an intimacy, even in the emptiness. A friend of mine recently said, Nate, don't be afraid of the dark <laughs> you know yeah because um, there is a tendency to want to recoil rather than lean in definitely what interests me about your story not so much that you went to uganda at 18 but that you stayed mm. for all those years and it's wonderful to see all the fruit that's come out of obedience and willingness. I suspect it's come with a lot of suffering there as well. Mm. What what has that done for you to see things change, but also not change? Right. Yeah, I mean, it definitely. I think I think the choice to stay when it would have been easier to leave came with its own unique suffering. Definitely, um, there were definitely seasons of feeling very, very lonely, being that far away from friends and family. Um, I remember seasons of just really praying to God for a friend or some kind of community. And then God did. He did give give me friends. He did give me community. Um, now my, my closest friends and the people I love most in the world outside of my own family are all in Uganda. And then I think another another facet of that was just seeing the tremendous suffering of other people in the world and really knowing that though I will suffer, though I will experience pain, um, tangibly speaking, I really won't probably suffer the way so many of our friends and, and neighbors do. I probably won't be in a situation, or at least I haven't yet been in a situation where um, I'm uncertain if I will be able to feed my kids today. You know, I I haven't yet been in a situation, even when we were in the midst of moving and we didn't have our own house, like I've never been in a situation where I truly didn't have a roof over my head. And so um, there's a pain that comes alongside of wrestling with knowing um, that there's such immense pain in the world that you might never experience and that that isn't because you did something or you somehow deserve better. I mean, it's, it's just like God's protection. And, um, so in Uganda, we had a lot of friends who are faithful and, and they believe in Jesus and they walk with Jesus and they embody Christ in their lives. And yet still they face tremendous suffering. And so I think 
that was, that was painful as I tried to discern like, okay, how do I enter into this? How do I walk alongside people in this? How do I wrestle with knowing like, no matter how much I acclimate to a culture or no matter how much I try to live like the people around me, right? I, I still have kind of this safety net of the privilege that I came from, that I was born into. That's kind of always there, no matter what hardship I face. And a lot of my friends don't have that. So kind of wrestling through the unfairness of that brings brings about its own pain. Uh, but but once again, I think yeah, I've just I've just known God in more more deep and more intimate ways as I have asked him questions. And as I have cried out to him, even to say like, okay, Lord, this isn't fair. I don't, I don't understand what you're doing here. Or, you know, um, I just think even though he doesn't, he doesn't always answer the question of why, um, just his, his nearness in that is just such a sweet gift. That's good. What have you noticed your friends? in Uganda that have suffered and continue to suffer, what has helped them? I mean, I think so many of my friends in Uganda have such a deep and pure trust in God. And I think they really believe and embody the truth that like today is, is kind of all that we're promised. And so I think a lot of times when it's my temptation to look at suffering or look at a difficult situation and immediately my thoughts kind of begin to spin and like plan and plot like, okay, how long is this going to last? And how are we going to get, get out of this and what's going to be next and what's going to be after that? Um, I think a lot of my friends in Uganda are, are more like, okay, well, let's just do what we can with what we have today. And then, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll worry about, its own self. And that is, <laughs> that is in scripture, right? But I often do not live like that. Um, and I had a friend, it's been probably a year now, but I was in the States and she was there and I called her and she had a lot of really hard things going on. And I started to cry and she said, well, why are you crying? And I said, well, I just, you know, I'm worried about you guys. And I was worried specifically in this instance for the safety of one of her children. And she said, um, oh, you don't need to worry. God who kept us before will keep us again. And, you know, she just, she said it so simply. Um, and I just thought like, wow, your trust in God is just so, so pure and so real. And um, I want more of that. <laughs> it's interesting because earlier when we were talking, I was, I was thinking of the, my own answer to what I've learned in, in those mm -hmm. times. And it was my, my truster is built. Yeah, you know, you know, like the there's a certain yeah, like no, uh, I'll be okay. Things will be okay, and it may not work out the way I want or when I want, but um, I can lean into that. Mm -hmm. How about the role of community, maybe for yourself or also for people uh, in Uganda? How does that help or not? <laughs> yeah, um, I think that. Uh, Uganda does community very beautiful. It's a very, very hospitable culture, um, a very kind of family and community oriented culture in a way that it is just expected that you would share whatever you have with your family members, with your neighbors. Um, 
you know, anytime you go over to anyone's house in Uganda, they run to get you a chair to sit down in and they bring out a snack or some tea or something. Um, if they don't have anything prepared, they go and prepare it for you. And it's very much expected that like you will sit there, um, until they feed you, until they give you something to drink, right? Um, nobody's really in a hurry. And so a quick visit doesn't usually happen. But I think that um, that's such a beautiful thing when it comes to suffering, because not only do you have a really large network of people to love you just in the day to day, but you also have a really large number number of people to love you and support you in your suffering. And so I've seen this happen over and over again, I mean, in the villages, if, um, if a woman's about to give birth, you know, all the female neighbors come to the house and help and somebody boils water and somebody gets blankets ready. And, um, it's just this whole, you know, this whole community of people coming around that woman in her time of need. And then if, you know, if somebody dies, um, your neighbors will come immediately to your house and they will stay all night, sometimes for many, many days, um, just stay to be close to you, to be near you as you mourn. And we got to be the recipients of that a lot during our time in Uganda. Um, just that, yeah, it makes me teary just thinking about the times when we had something hard going on or we had a loved one who was sick or um, times when maybe my husband had traveled out of town. I, I mean, we just always had people who would just come. They would just come over and they would just be there and, and maybe they would make food or maybe they would do the dishes or maybe they would play with the kids, but we were never alone in our suffering. And I think. Um, we shouldn't be. I don't. I think uh, Christ designed community so that we would not be alone in our suffering, and so um, I think we got to see that modeled in a really beautiful way. There's a poverty in the states mm. that essentially I can I can function pretty independent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we so our family. I lived in Uganda for 15 years, almost exactly. Um, and, you know, got married there, had my kids there, adopted my kids from there. So our family um, was started and grew up in Uganda and we'd lived there for a long time. And then we moved back to the States about a year and a half ago. And probably the lack of community was the most shocking part of it for all of us. And uh, we have been able to create community and we're super thankful, but it, it has taken a lot a lot, a lot of intentionality and effort to create that. And I think in Uganda, it just happened more effortlessly. And I, I believe that's probably true of many, many places in the world. And so, um, yeah, it was just so surprising to me. And it was very easy for me being in the States to slip right back into <laughs> a very independent mindset, even though I had not lived that way for years and years and years, but just the idea of things like, oh, if I don't have something, I could get it on Amazon, like tomorrow, maybe tonight, mm -hmm. even, you know, <laughs> if I order early enough in the day, whereas um, living overseas, like that wasn't an option, you would have to go ask your neighbor to borrow it. Um, and so even just like little things like that, we've almost convenienced ourselves so much that we don't need each other anymore. Like there's so much convenience and so much independence. And in Uganda, um, so many people like didn't have a car 
So a lot of times I didn't have my car at my house because somebody had borrowed it. And then I would realize at the last minute I needed to get somewhere. So I would have to walk up to my neighbor's house and see if maybe I could use her car. You know, um, yeah, I think definitely living in a much simpler way with a lot less stuff made us more, more dependent on each other. Um, and here it, it seems very, very easy that we could just slip back into living these really isolated, really independent lives and that we would even be, I mean, in some ways congratulated for that. I mean, in some ways I think um, we make independence the goal and achievement the goal. And when we're chasing after those things, I think community sometimes takes a little bit of a backseat. Now there's, whenever new technology comes out, I always like to pause and think of what's mm -hmm. being lost. Yeah, right? that's good. Like when the, when the phone was developed, you know, can't you see some older person like, no, I want to go visit them. I'm not going to, you know, pick up the phone. Yeah. Those voices are lost. But in our autonomy, uh, I mean, it, 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 there's a safety in in being alone. Um, mm, but yeah, yes. need, suffering forces us to reach out mm -hmm. and give, but also receive, right? Receive yes. help. Tell me about your new book. Yeah. Um, so I have a new book. It's called Safe All Along. And um, it's really it really kind of touches on some of the stuff that you and I have been talking about. I had the subtitle is Trading Our Fears and Anxieties for God's Unshakable Peace. And I had personally walked through a season of just tremendous anxiety and worry and felt like, okay, intellectually, like, I know that Jesus is keeping me safe. Like I know that he promised us peace. And we read Paul in the New Testament. He talks about a peace that transcends all understanding. And of course I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I just realized like, okay, I'm not, I'm not living in the peace that God has promised me. And we had had a lot of hard things happen kind of back to back in the life of our family and then right as I kind of started to dip my toes in the water of writing this book, our family unexpectedly moved from Uganda to the United States. We hadn't planned on moving. We had come on a trip and just a lot of different things were going on here and a lot of different things were going on there. And through a lot of prayer, um, my husband and I and even our older children all kind of felt like, yeah, we're supposed to stay here for a season. And so... We've been in the States now for about a year and a half, but I just think God is, God is so kind and he sees every little detail and just that he had had me, um, I had already decided that I wanted to write this book and I had already started asking some questions and, and studying scripture differently to, to try to really discern like, okay, what does the peace of God mean? And how do we really learn to grasp it? And what does this look like, you know, in our everyday lives? How do we walk it out? And the fact that I was already kind of searching out those answers, and then <laughs> I was in a completely <laughs> different place and a completely different culture. And my anxiety, of course, like ramped up, um, kind of as you and I have, have talked about, like the pace of life was so much different and so much faster here. And it seemed really easy to just get swept up in hurry and achievement. And it felt hard to get to know people or be known. Poverty. 
Yes. <laughs> right? yes. It's a poverty in the yes. States. Yes, yeah. it is. It is for sure. Very, very lonely season um, for me and for my children. I watched, I watched my children be so lonely because they were born and raised in Uganda. And so they were coming from this communal lifestyle there. They were never stuck at home with just me. There were always <laughs> other kids and other adults in and out of our home. And, um, what a beautiful thing as a parent to have other adults also speaking into the life of your children. And so, um, we were all very lonely. I was feeling very sad and very anxious, but God had, I had already signed this publishing contract. So God <laughs> kind of had me on this journey um, to discover more of his character. And I felt like as I wrote the book, he just kind of, I was, I was not writing at all from a place of expertise or a place <laughs> of having figured something out that I wanted to share with others, but really from a place of, okay, I've got to learn this. Yeah. And right before longing. we moved, yes, longing, yes. Right before we moved, God gave me this really cool picture. I write about it at the very beginning of the book. Um, our family likes to go camping and where we lived in Uganda was right by the Nile River. And so we used to, it used to be kind of a fun weekend activity for us to go kayak or paddleboard or just swim in certain safe parts of the river. Not all of the river is, is great for swimming. But um, we had this experience where uh, one of my older daughters and I, she was probably about 19 at the time for people who are going to now try to imagine this in their head. She wasn't a little kid, but um, we had jumped in the river to swim and we had on life jackets, but the current, I don't know if we kind of overshot the current, we thought it was going to bring us back to the shore. And instead it took us like out into the middle of the river and we got kind of stuck in this rapid. And I thought we were definitely going to drown. Um, as I was able to kind of swim my way back to the shore, I, I was too far away to reach her. And so I actually watched her get swept around the bend in the river. And, um, so of course I like panicked. I imagined every worst case scenario. I was sitting on the side of the river, just praying and praying and praying. And she ended up being okay. She was able to get out further down the river and she came running um, up from up from the other side. And I was so relieved. Um, she was like totally nonchalant about it. I was like, wow, were you so scared? She was like, nah, I figured I'd get out somewhere later. Um, but later when I was talking to my husband about it, you know, I was crying. I was like, oh, I felt so dumb that I even let us get in there. Like, I thought I had lost her. I'm so sorry. And he said, like, hey, I want to come here. I want to show you something. And he walked me like further up on this hill. And from up on the hill, we could look down and we could see so much more of the river. And we could see all the ways that it kind of twisted and turned. And he said, I mean... I knew you guys would be scared, but I knew you would be okay because look, there's this little place over here where she could have gotten out and oh, there's a little island that she could have swam over to. And here's a little bay where the current was more still and there were some guys fishing. Maybe they could have helped her. And it was crazy from up on top of the hill, it all just felt so incredibly safe again. And God kept kind of dropping this phrase into my mind, you were safe all along. And I remember just sitting there for so long and soaking that in 
And looking back at the last several years of our life where we had had a lot of different difficult situations kind of hit us in the face and I had been feeling so anxious and I thought like, wow, I really walked through those seasons with the same perspective that I had had when I was stuck in the river, right? All you can see is this <laughs> little bit and the chaos and the danger and it's really, really scary. But like what would have been different? If I could have walked through that season with this perspective, there knowing go. like yeah. God sees the whole picture. He sees our whole lives. He knows every detail. He's going to keep us safe, right? He promises us eternity with him. And like, he is going to get us there. And so no matter how scary our, the little piece that we can see is right now, like we can really rest in knowing that he's got a better plan and he can see the whole thing even when we can't. And so I just felt like that was um, so gracious, so kind of God to give me that picture so that as things uh, were increasingly hard and as we moved and felt sad and lonely, I kind of had that mental picture to reflect back on and go, okay, God, I cannot really see where we're going right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel stuck and I feel like maybe we're, you know, maybe we're in danger. Um, but I know that like you see and you have purpose and you're here with us and like, you're going to get us to where you want us to be ultimately. So, um, yeah. And that was just really kind of the, the opening of the book and kind of the fuel for writing the book, just exploring like what different things can I put into practice in my day-to-day -day life um, that help me live as if this is true. That you are safe. Yeah. All along. <laughs> what did you learn from writing the book? So much. I think I learned so much of just God's unchanging character. And just really came to believe in, uh, in a new way, just the truth that like, no matter how my circumstance or situation changes, no matter how I change, no matter how my emotions change, like God, God is who he says he is and he does not change. And he has been so, so constant in my life, even as we've had so many different crazy life experiences. And one practice that's probably, I write about it in the book. Um, I give kind of several different practices that have helped me kind of uh, walk in the peace of God and like know him more deeply. And one of the simplest and probably most profound for me has just been memorizing scripture in longer chunks than I really had before. I'd memorized, you know, a few verses at a time, but to memorize whole Psalms or whole chapters of scripture, I find that for me, when I start to be anxious about something, it's my, my brain that kind of starts to be moving too quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm imagining future scenarios and then I'm imagining the solution to the future scenario that isn't even happening. Um, <laughs> or I'm, I'm having conversations with, people in my head that I <laughs> might have to have, but might not have to have. And so um, one thing that's been really powerful for me is just to, as I notice that kind of thought spiral to pause and call to mind scripture. And of course, the more scripture I have memorized, the more readily it kind of comes to my heart and my mind. Um, 
in, in different, you. yes, yes. And so <laughs> fantasy just, world, yes, pulls you back. <laughs> yeah, just to be able to pause those thoughts and kind of replace them with something else, right? Something that is true, something that is beautiful, um, something that is unchanging has been really, really helpful. I like that, how you, you work with different practices that helps you uh, in, in these moments, right? What, what is your hope for readers? Would you like them to take away? Yeah, I hope. I mean, I hope their takeaway is that they know God more deeply um, and that they've experienced him in new ways. I, I also hope that they take away um, just that they're not alone. I think one thing that anxiety does is cause us to feel isolated. And um, I think just to, in my own life, even to have other people say to me like, oh yeah, I feel that way. Or, oh yeah, I experienced this. That, um, I just, that is always really affirming to me to go like, okay, I'm not alone. So I hope that readers, um, feel that they aren't alone, um, that God is with them, but also that there are lots of people who are with them in that experience and trying to chase after God in the experience of anxiety. And yeah, I do hope that they walk away with some tangible practices, um, just simple ways that they can stay, as you said, more tethered, more connected to God, um, and feel, you know, feel ultimately that they can walk in God's peace, even though the world around us uh, seems to be increasingly not peaceful. Yeah. Safe all along. Yeah. I looked up what your name meant. Pure. Mm. Katie, pure. I see that. There's mm. a purity of heart Thank in you. you. Katie, it's good to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. And that was Katie Davis Majors talking about her new book, Safe All Along, Trading Our Fears and Anxieties for God's Unshakable Peace. You can learn more about Katie and her work in Uganda at amazma.org. A-M-A-Z-I-M-A dot org. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare Podcast. I'm grateful for all of you who helped make this work possible. You can support Renovare and this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovare.org slash donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcasts, webinars, online classes, as well as information on events in our institute on our website, renovare.org. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. And until next time, be well, friends. Be well. <laughs>